God is good. Isn't it? Sometimes we've got to be tested a bit. It's like, are we going to worship when the music stops? Are we going to still rejoice when you can't hear the words? Because here's the thing, right? You carry the word. You carry the breath of God. I remember that song that says, it's your breath in our lungs. So we're going to pour out our praise. What a joy it is to do church this way. But you know what? It's always a joy when we come together. And that's what happened this Wednesday when we came together. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we had a fantastic uh, gathering, and uh, it was supposed to be like a prayer meeting where people were encouraged, people were strengthened, uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, we also had one salvation. And I've done hundreds of prayer meetings over the years, but I've never seen a salvation. But you know what? God can do anything, uh, even when we least expect it. And that's my prayer this morning that uh, God would do something in such a powerful way. In Jesus' name. You know, last week we spoke, I, I spoke on the topic, when heaven meets earth. And as I was finishing off the message, I almost felt like uh, I was entering into a new space. And I want to continue the conversation. And in my message, I, I began to do this comparison about what happened in the book of Genesis, the fall, as they call the fall of man. And there was this moment where Eve ate of this tree, the forbidden tree, and, 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 and the reason she ate of that tree was because the devil said to her that if she eats of that tree, that uh, she would be like God. So in other words, she was, she was given the guarantee that if she were to eat of this, that she would gain knowledge and information that would make her better, an improved version of herself. And then later we read that she ate of the tree and suddenly recognized that she was naked and starts covering herself up. And, G uh, and God walks into the scene and God asks this question, who told you? You were naked. And I begin to create a, para a, a sort of a, a collision between how sometimes in life, just because we gain information, it doesn't make us feel better. In fact, I think I finished my message by saying something on the lines of Google ain't God. And so many times we try to Google our issues and try to self-analyze what we're going through. And I, I, I think I said a few uh, statements that were quite powerful, which was that so many of us have been lied to in the sense that Anxiety is not a lie, but what is causing us to be anxious is a lie. A fear is not a lie, but perhaps what is causing us to fear is a lie. Shame is not a lie. The feeling of shame, the emotion of shame is real, but what is causing us to be filled with shame could be a lie. And I want to continue that conversation uh, because, and especially if you're someone who's is interested in things like emotional well-being and wellness and strengthening your mind and all of that. The next two weeks, this week and the following week, is going to be quite powerful. In fact, as I was preparing this message, I recognized that there's way too much content for me to be speaking about this. Uh, but even as I'm introducing this subject, I want you to know this uh, for a fact that I'm not a counselor. I don't have a degree in psychology. Uh, I'm not an expert, as you call it, in the field. Uh, but everything I, I share on this topic is from the scripture. How many of us believe that the Bible is still relevant today, that, that the Bible is still powerful, that the Bible can apply to every layer of our lives? Apostle Paul was no counselor, but the way he spoke about the things of the mind and understanding joy and all that sort of stuff is so powerful that we know that he's spoken from a different place. And so I want to sort of say that right at the start of this message. Uh, and I will talk about what this message is called, but what, what even led me here was my experience that I had a few weeks back in heaven. Uh, those of you know that I've been sort of sharing from the premise of the experience that I had, this incredible encounter that I had. But I want to talk about before my experience, what my state of mind was. 
uh, you know, my, my spirit, what would happen to me was I was on fire for Sunday. It would seem like Friday, Saturday, I would get a word in my spirit and my spirit would be all excited, all fired up, all invigorated, all revived. I would have a word from God, but my mind, my soul, if I could use that word, wasn't fully there. There were things, there were circumstances that, that, that happened over the span of a year, over the span of a few months that just sort of began to weigh me down. And I couldn't put it, fully put my finger on it. I almost felt like I was a walking contradiction. In the sense, I would see that I was blessed with the word being spoken. I, I would see that the church was being blessed. I would, I would, there were moments where I would call forth uh, words and prophetic utterances and all that, all that that comes with it. But at the same time, I wasn't whole. There was something that I just felt like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm feeling healthy. My mind, my mental state was not there. And what I would notice, and you know, in life, we are not always going to be this way. But what I would notice was I would drop and I would keep dropping and keep dropping. And it would, it would be so hard for me to recover. In fact, I think in my heaven testimony, I shared about how there were symptoms of what could be considered clinical depression that I was facing. And I began to get all kinds of help, began to get, uh, you know, pastoral help, began to get prophetic help, began to get professional help, all sorts of help. You know what? And that's the thing. If you are in trouble, I want to encourage you to get all sorts of help. Make yourself open to the help that is out there. But the reality was, friend, nothing really. Things helped me for a season. Like, it would help me for a week, and I'd be inspired for a week or probably two weeks, and then... It would, I would just drop off, and I would just drop off. And, 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 and the scripture that probably comes to mind that sort of can, I can correlate it with is Romans chapter 7, verse 15. This is what it says. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But, I, but what I hate, I do. That's sort of how I felt like, not in the sense of what I did, but who I was becoming. Have you ever felt like you don't like who you're becoming? Uh, and for us, we're all in different stages. Maybe, it's, uh, maybe for you, it might be an addiction. Maybe for you, it might be a certain way of thinking. Maybe it might be a habit. But what I, what I find in Scripture that says, I do not understand what I do, right? For what I want to do, I do not do. What, what do we want to do? We want to be generous. We want to be loving. We want to be full of faith. We want to walk in the things of God. But what I hate, I do. And, and, and Paul, in Romans chapter 7, sounds like a contradiction within himself. How many of us feel like Paul at times? Where, 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 uh, God, I know you're calling me to all these things, but, but, but really where you're calling me is not where I seem to be going, where I seem to be, not even my life, but where my thought, my emotions, my actions, my expressions. And what I experienced in, 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 my, in heaven was such a powerful thing. And I want to share the scripture that probably will articulate my experience. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. This is what it says. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Notice how it says through and through. It's an ongoing process. Transformation is not a one-day activity. It's a constant process. Now check what it says. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. May your whole spirit, soul, body. You know, the world teaches us body, mind, or body, soul, spirit. But the Bible teaches us spirit, soul, body. And what, I, what happened in heaven was this. So I've got this piece of, sort of this card here. I'm wearing white, so I might just move it to the side. 
But this is what happened. So this is what happened literally in heaven. When I had my heaven experience, this is what I looked like. This is what I felt like. But then when I had my experience, it was almost like I separated into three portions like this. This is what happened to me. I separated into three portions. And then on this card, I've got things written. I've got here body, and then I've got soul, and then I've got spirit. And what happened to me in my experience was I was able to, for a moment, heaven, by the grace of God, for a moment was able to sort of distinguish all three parts of me. And, and, and there were things I experienced in my spirit. There were things in, that God did within my soul, literally, if I can say I had a surgical procedure where God did something in my heart. And then obviously my body was like freaking out because I was just like, what in the world is happening to me? And I was able to, I guess, download, in a sense, the order of how Scripture puts us to be, that we are spirit, we are soul, and we are body. But so many times we try to put our body first. Well, I, I need to eat this, and I need to be working, six, working out six times a week, and I need to have my protein, and all of that is great. Or maybe, maybe, maybe it's, it's our soul. And this, this soul part is really complicated because the soul's made up of our mind, our emotions, our, our intellect. All of that is connected within this joy. All of that is connected here. Uh, so I, I don't feel like doing it or I feel like doing it, or I, I don't know if I have it all together today. I'm not sure if I need to go to work. I, I'm not sure if the world can see me, or I feel anxious. So, so you've got this, this is probably the biggest facet that a lot of us live in. And then we've got this thing that sometimes comes up on a Sunday called the Spirit. But friend, I want you to understand that the order in which God has called us to live life, this life of faith that follows Jesus is our spirit first, our soul second, and then our body. Our body is also important. We've got to take care of our temple. And I'm not saying which is inferior, all that, but this is the order in which, this is the order in which God has created us to be. And I knew that in theory, but what would happen was I had spirit Sundays and soul Mondays and body Wednesdays. And it would just be like a cycle that was, this is sort of how my world was. It was like a complex, it was twisted, it was turning, it was a wave of emotions between spirit, soul, body. It was like what Paul said, I do what I don't like to do because that which I want to do, I cannot do. And what happened to me in my encounter was my, my God synced me. He synchronized me. And the title of my message this morning is Soul in Sync. Soul in Sync. I believe God is calling the church God is calling for the soul of the church. God is calling for the soul of the believer to be in sync with heaven, to be in sync with the things of God. But the key, the way in which that sync happens is when we allow our spirit to come forth, when we allow our spirit to take charge. And sometimes for us, it can be a bit difficult. I think the danger of the Western church is we've allowed the working of the spirit to be the things of the church or the things of God, but we've allowed the the workings of the soul to be my own thing. Let me tell you, your soul ain't a great leader, but a fantastic indicator. Your soul indicates where you're at, but an indication is not where you, where you sort of set tent. An indication is where, not, where you, not where you camp. An indicator is something that points you to a greater real reality. 
After my experience, it's not like I've just been always flying high. There's been moments where I felt things in my spirit. I felt things in my soul. I felt things in my emotions. It's like, why am I feeling that? Wait a minute. Okay. Okay. I get that. I understand that. I received that. I've gained awareness. But now, soul, listen to the voice of the spirit. What does God have to say about this? And when that begins to happen, there's this thing called alignment that takes place. You know, so many times in church life, we use this word alignment as a means to control. Are you aligned? Are you aligned? Are you aligned to the vision? Are you aligned to the leader? Are you aligned to this? I want to ask you this question this morning. Are you aligned? Not to me, not to Downpour Church International, not to the, the ACC. I'm asking, are you aligned to you? Does your soul values and your spirit values align? Are they living in collision? Are they, or are, they, are they living in completion? Does your body and your soul align to the things of the spirit? See, alignment does not begin outside of us. Alignment begins within. And the day I had my encounter, the time I had my encounter, God did this thing of just rewiring what he needed to do to align me, saying, Alwyn, wait a minute. Yes, what you're feeling is real. The emotions are real. There's no denial about it. We're not living in this, or oh, just stamp on it so it doesn't exist. No, no, no. We're aware of it, but awareness does not mean deliverance. Awareness does not mean freedom. Awareness is appointed to a greater reality. Now that we've got to bring that awareness and surrender it to the things of God and allow God to do His work. And yet sometimes it's instantaneous and sometimes it's a process. But either ways, there's an order in Scripture that God has called us to walk in that our whole soul, spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord. And the Bible constantly creates a distinct between the soul and the spirit. Check out what it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 and 47. It says, Mary, this is the mother of Jesus. My soul glorifies the Lord. Another translation says magnifies the Lord. My soul, my emotions, my thoughts, my innermost being, uh, my mind glorifies the Lord. And my spirit, check out the word, the difference, soul, spirit. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Can I ask us this morning, is it just our spirit that's rejoicing or is our soul part of the process? Is our soul part of the rejoicing? Because there's something powerful that happens when, when, the, when there's a partnership between this thing called our soul and our spirit. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God. You know, in, in the previous era, if I could use that word, of church life, uh, it was all about the spirit. It was all about, you know, come to church and let God do His thing. Come to church and be filled in the Holy Spirit. Come to the altar and just get laid hands on you. You've got a marriage problem? Just come and just receive ministry. God will deal with it. You've got an addiction problem? Just come and receive ministry. God will deal with it. We, we've, we've had an era in church life where it was all spirit, all spirit, all spirit. It's like, but, but then we have a generation that, that was oversaturated with this kind of ministry that it became like, when can I have the conversation? When can you hear my soul? But now I feel what has happened is we've entered an era in church where it's all about this. And let me tell you, this is important, but this ain't God. Overglorification of just the status of my soul magnifies my soul, but Mary says, my soul magnifies my God. And so I feel like in one generation, the pendulum moved this way. And now in another generation, the pendulum's moved this way. 
And I think God's not saying this way or that way. God's trying to bring order and saying it's got to be done in order so that he can use not parts of us, but all of us for his glory. And I think it's such an important thing that we grab a hold of this uh, where, where, where we got to understand this. Check out what Jesus, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Matthew 26, verse 38. This is what Jesus said. Then he said to them, that's Jesus, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. I want you to take courage this morning that even Jesus was overwhelmed. I want you to take courage this morning to know that even Jesus had possibly panic attacks. Possibly Jesus went through anxiety. Which God is there who understands the weariness of the soul, the heaviness of the heart? Which God in any other faith understands the emotional uh, weight that some of us carry in life? Let me tell you, Jesus felt overwhelmed at times. Jesus felt the weariness of the soul. My soul is overwhelmed. I believe I'm encouraging someone this morning because you felt Oh, God doesn't understand it because he's so high up in the heavens and he doesn't get what I'm going through. And uh, if I share it with anybody, I, I, people will just talk me down and say, oh, you just need to, you just, need to just go on a holiday. Or, but, but what I'm dealing with is something a bit more stronger than that. Friend, I want you to know Jesus was overwhelmed. And if you're overwhelmed, he understands what you're going through. He understands the weariness. He understands the burdens that you carry. He understands the heaviness that you have. As I, was, as I was studying about this, I began to ask the question, who created my soul? Who created my mind? Who created my emotions? People complain, oh, you're just too emotional. Who created that? Who created these things? And I began to study how the word soul in Hebrew means nefesh. And the word soul in Greek means psyche. Psyche. That's where we, and the word psychology comes from the, psychology rather, comes from the word psyche, which is study of the soul. Let me tell you a book that's great in the study of the soul, the book of Psalm. The word soul is used over, over hundreds of times in the book of Psalm. A psalm is a great psychological book. It's a, it's a study of the soul book. It's a revelation of the condition of the heart, condition of the soul, and I think it's very, very powerful. But as I, was, as I was studying about who created my mind, uh, you know, I, I, I felt the Holy Spirit take me to the scripture, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. And as I begin to read this, I begin to understand that until this moment happened in history, man was just a body of clay. And when God held mankind, when he held, I want you to understand this, that when God breathed his breath into man, it was al almost like an act of intimacy. He had to hold his face close to your face, close to our face, and he began to breathe into us. Now, I begin to ask the question, what did he breathe? Because the church always talks about how when God breathed into man, that's when we receive the Spirit. But can I say to you that it's not just the spirit we received? That when he breathed into us, we received not just our spirit, but we received our soul. We received our emotions. We received our intellect. This thing called intelligence comes literally from the source of that is from God. This thing called emotion comes from God. Do you realize that? Because 
Jesus says this, grieve not the Holy Spirit, which means that the Holy Spirit has emotions. So if you are going through grief this morning, I want you to understand that there's a companion by your side called the Holy Spirit who understands your griefs, who understands your afflictions, who understands your weariness. And, 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 and all of a sudden it hit me that when God breathed into us, we did not just receive the Spirit, but we also received the soul. And that tells me the partnership between these two things are so divine. They, they intertwine, they intermingle, and, 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 and spirit is where we get our information from, but soul is where we get our creativity from. And so when God downloads things within your spirit, it's not just good to say, oh, this is my spirit and that my spirit. He needs our soul to be at a healthy place. He needs our soul to be at a strong place. He needs our soul to be at a strengthened place so that we can use the data that's been given from heaven to be all that he's called us to be. So many times we fill ourselves with just this information or just give me more theology, give me more knowledge, give me more head knowledge. No, no. God is saying, no, I need you to be a bearer of a healthy soul. I need you to find a place of strength in your mind. I've said this before, that God's gift to the church was the Holy Spirit. And the church's gift back to God is a renewed mind. And so we're going to spend all our time here on earth renewing, re developing, strengthening, empowered this thing called our soul, our mind. But we're going to do that by the leading of the Spirit. You know, there are times when my soul does not agree with my spirit. There are times when our soul says, well, I, I, I just need to have some ice cream right now. I just need to. And, and there's nothing wrong with having some ice cream. But, but most times it's an excuse to keep away from getting into the presence of God. It's an excuse from getting into the Word of God. There are times when my soul's like, oh, I just need me some friends around me. No one calls me. I, everyone calls me if they need help. Who, who, who do I call when I need help? And oh, it's great to have friends and things like that. I'm not speaking against it, but there are times when I just need to allow my soul to come in partnership with my spirit. And for so many of us in church, what's happened is there's been a, there's been with some, in some way or the other, there's been a collision, a conflict between the soul and the spirit when the soul and the spirit were actually des designed to cohabitate with each other. That when God held man and breathed into him, he was breathing the breath of spirit and the breath of soul. Are you tracking with me? I want you to recognize your soul is that, is that your soul is the device that handles everything in life. But your spirit is the dock on which your soul must be kept on so that it can be in sync, so it can be charged. Your soul is that phone that carries all this data, but that phone needs to constantly be interacted with the airwaves, and that happens by connecting to the internet, by connecting to a network. Is your soul out of network? Is your soul out of sync? When was the last time you had a soul upgrade, a soul update? And let me tell you, that comes from the things of the Spirit. Your Spirit has been designed to bring refreshing, to bring strength, to bring muscle to your soul. So many times we think these two things are against each other because of some comments, some statements, something we read, something that offended us, something that did not tolerate the pain that we were going through. But let me tell you, we have a Savior who's closer than a brother, who understands our pain, who understands our grief, who understands our sorrow, because He Himself went through it. But at the same time, He's created a pathology called the way of the Spirit. 
in which when these two things come together, let me tell you, you become powerful in the things of God. I want to read over you some scriptures this morning that I believe is going to really minister to you. I just want to spend the next few moments just speaking into people because as I was preparing this message, I did not come here with, oh, I've read this book and done this study. I came here, as Paul says, with fear and trembling because I'm dealing with the matters of the soul. And I've been praying all day, all week, saying, God, give me the grace to understand and to connect and to empathize with people where they're at. And I want to read these scriptures over you because this might be where your condition is at this morning. Psalm 42, verse 11. Check out what it says. Why, my soul, are you downcast? You know, there are days when my spirit's going well. Church is fantastic. Everything's good. I'm getting scriptures from, Bi from the Bible and, you know, I seem like I'm hearing from God, but there are days when it's like, why, my soul? It's literally like looking at my soul. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? You notice that most disturbances that we face is not outside of us. It's actually what is within us. Why so disturbed within me? Now check what Psalm says. David says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. I love the word yet. A lot of times in church, praise gets a lot of preaching. But I want to preach about yet for a moment because there ain't no praise before there is a yet. There are times when I don't want to praise. There are times when I don't want to give. There are times when I don't want to pray. But there are times when I've got to just say, my soul will yet praise him. My heart will yet be, be rejoicing in him. My heart will yet be generous in the things of God, my Savior and my God. I want to read the next one. Psalm 62, verse 1. Check out what it says. Truly, my soul, I want you to put your, yourself in that. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to you. Truly, my soul, my emotions, my mental conditions, my fatigue that I'm feeling, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Psalm 62, verse 5. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Do you notice how many times there's a relationship between our soul and our rest? Because there are so many of us that have tried to get rest by physically resting, tried to get rest by booking in a holiday, and that can be quite, a, quite an intense activity uh, in this day and age with everything that's around us. But, uh, but, but there's not that kind of rest. Jesus says in the scripture, he says, Come to me, all of you that are heavy laden and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Eugene Peterson, when he wrote the message translation, he says, I will give you my kind of rest. It's not the rest that the world talks about. It's rest in me. Let me tell you, in God's presence. You know, you've heard the conversations Lee and, as, Lee and I have had over the last couple of weeks, last couple of months on how I would constantly say, I just need to get away. I just needed 48 hours of me, all that. But let me tell you, when I had that time with God, when I, when, I, when I got plugged into the pipeline, if I could use that word, of heaven, there was a peace, there was a joy, there was a strength, there was a tranquility that got downloaded into my soul, that no holiday, no vacation, no, no how many sips of lattes, no whatever could ever provide. I want to speak to you right now, my friend, that there is hope for you. You've tried many things, you've walked down many avenues, and you've had a level of recovery, and you've made progress. But let me tell you, there is strength for your soul that comes from finding in Him. You know, before my encounter, uh, uh, you know, there was anxiety. 
struggle with anxiety, keeping up with the pace. We've got we to make this happen. We've got to make that happen. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. Depression, you know, the comparison. Oh, this is happening there. Oh, they're doing that, so we've got to do that. Oh, they're saying that, so we've got to do that. Man, let me tell you, when you're with Jesus, when you find this place that I'm talking about, anxiety evaporates. Depression has no place. And you know, the, the beauty is our life hasn't changed in the sense of our schedule hasn't changed. People have been asking me the question, so what's changed since the encounter? Our life hasn't changed that much. We, our kids still go to school. We still need to drop them. We still need to pick them up. We still have meetings. Uh, in fact, I think our life has become technically a little more busier. But I would say before my heaven experience, my life was busy, but now my life is full. Before my heaven experience, my life was hurried, but, my, but now my, my, my life is revealed. In other words, there's a revelation, there's a constant revealing of what is happening. Before my heaven experience, my life was frazzled, but now I feel I'm focused. And that's what I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you this morning with, that when you find this thing called soul sync, where your soul begins to sync with the things of God's Spirit, there's a strength that comes with us. You know, this, is my, this, is my, this has been my prayer late, lately because I think we've become the most emotionally conscious generation. But now I'm praying that we've become the most emotionally healthy generation. And there is a difference. Emotional consciousness does not, mean, does not equal emotional health. Emotional consciousness is pure awareness. Emotional consciousness is saying the, bur the building's burning before we didn't even know there was a building and before we didn't know it was burning. Now we know the building's burning, and in fact, that's caused even more anxiety, if anything, that we've woken up to the awareness of a burning building. But emotional health is the capacity, the strength from heaven that comes, that takes away and sets water on that burn that some of us feel. And I want to read Psalm 63 over you. Psalm 63, verse 1, it says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. This is what my prayer is for us this week. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. Notice it. My spirit wants you. My soul thirsts for you. Some of you, you've been emotionally deprivated. You've been mentally deprived. You feel thirsty. Well, let me tell you, that thirst cannot be quenched by that relationship. That, that thirst cannot be quenched by 15,000 Instagram followers or likes. In fact, that makes it even more crazy for you. That, 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 that thirst is not going to be coming from this amount of money in your bank account. The thirst is going to be quenched from God's presence. And check out what it says. My whole body longs for you. In this parts and weary land where there is no water. I feel that's where some of us live. We feel dry. We feel empty. This parched and weary land. Then check out what it says in verse 2. It says, For I have seen you in your sanctuary. I've seen you in church. And I've gazed upon your power and glory. Verse 3. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. Oh, how I praise you. Downport Church, I believe God's calling you. God's calling me. God's calling us to a new place of intimacy. saying, come to me. And here's the question I want to ask, because I want to leave us with a question before I share some practical thoughts. Do you believe God can heal bodies? Do you believe God can heal someone from cancer? I, I think most of us said yes. Now, here's my second question. Do you think God can heal mental health? Do you think God can heal? Let's get it practical. Let, do you think God can heal your anxiety? And I'm not asking you to answer that. Maybe you might say no right now, and that's okay. It's okay to say no, 
because that's when we're going to work out on the alignment situation. See, let me tell you, as the pastor of Downport Church, there was a part of me that knew in theory God heals all, but there was a part of my soul that, that thought that I would live with this all the days of my life. But when you come in touch with the things of God, when you come in touch with heaven, man, let me tell you, He does not just heal you. He delivers you. He brings wholeness. He brings peace. He brings comfort. He brings joy. And I, as I'm saying this, I feel like I'm prophesying into somebody's situation that's living a lie that says this will be who you are all the days of your life. Friend, I want you to know Jesus is close. Jesus is near. He's more close to the brokenhearted. And if you're dealing with a broken heart, He is with you. He's by your side. And so here's some practical things I want to share with you. I want you to take time over this next one week, every day, maybe you can shuffle it around, to read Psalm 62 and Psalm 63. Maybe Monday you can read 62, Tuesday you can read 63, Wednesday you can go back to 62, and Thursday you can read 63, just back and forth, and just see what it does to your emotions. I want you to read it slowly. I want you to ponder upon it. Then I want you to take time to be still. When I say be still, it's not, you know, doing, you know, any sort of meditation or whatever. Just take a moment to pause, saying, God, here I am, fully. Here I am. In fact, right now, I want to ask you this question. Just look, look at me right now. Are you here? Are you fully here? Because I'm not sure if you're fully here. I know your body's here or on the other side of the camera. Is your mind here? Is your spirit here? That focus that you just maintained right now, take it before God. Take it before God every day. It could be five minutes and just see what God begins to do. I feel right now, even as I'm saying this, the healing hand of God flowing through the lens of the camera. And I feel right now the burden and the weight many of you have been carrying. You've been carrying the weight of the world. You've been carrying the weight of your kids. You've been carrying the heaviness of life. And right now, I'm just going to pray for God to just, just feel that confirmation that He is close because, my friend, He is. As we step on this journey, Jesus, I thank You. Lord, I pray for my brother. I pray for my sister. I pray right now, wherever they're watching, for an open heaven over them. I pray right now for the peace of God, the presence of God, the warmth of your presence, not just for them to tangibly feel it in their spirit, but for it to make it to the crevices of their soul. Lord, right now I pray for a soul sink, that they know that their soul is cared for, that soul that you created, that mind that you created, that precious heart that you created, that you have a plan and a purpose for, those emotions that you have so freely given. Lord, I pray that we surrender that to you right now. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. In your mighty, matchless, precious name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Delpa Church, we love you. We're thinking of you. Please write to us in what God is doing. But I want to encourage you, start embarking on this journey to get your soul in sync so that God can do greater things that you never thought He could do in and through you. In Jesus' name, God bless you. We'll see you real soon.